Damaged Goods Podcast. It sounds like I'm doing drugs, but I'm definitely not. I, I don't look like I'm having fun at all, so there's no drugs involved. It's just... Just it, yeah. Just letting you know I am witness to this. There are no drugs here on this table. Yeah, that Godiva chocolate bunny might do you good if you want it late. Take it later. Yeah, if I want to snort the Godiva chocolate bunny. Like a madman, I woke up feeling sick, and I threw out all the... Um, all the sweets in my house. Like the way like if someone's trying to go clean yeah. off alcohol, they throw all their alcohol. Yeah, they take the bottles out from yeah. under the mattress. I started just taking like all this leftover Easter candy and anything sweet in my cabinets. I was like, fuck it, throwing it away. <laughs> so, yeah. My mom sent me an Easter basket, but she didn't put her name on it or anything. And so I get this Easter basket anonymously. That's the best way to get and them. I know. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, who the fuck sent me an Easter basket? Like, it had those random shit in it. It had, like, these, like, apple cinnamon potpourri, which I was like, that's not really seasonally yeah, apt, yeah. but whatever. It's kind of dope, though. That's, like, kind of dope. And then there's, like, soaps, and then there's, like, um, Lindor truffles, like the little individually oh, wrapped ones. nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's nothing better than a... Um, Go surprise basket. basket. Then you get all paranoid. You're but like, then I just didn't know who it was. And mm. I have like a history of attracting people who, you know, the are crazies. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, is this another secret admirer? Do I have to change my address? And then I, I texted my mom and I'm like, Easter basket? Question mark. And she's like, yeah, happy Easter. You're I like, love oh, you. Thank God. I'm like, that guy's not a psycho. I know. I was like, this is so good. Okay, good. Because at the first, I was a little scared by the Easter basket. I thought maybe it was a yeah. admirer. <laughs> that crazy um, stalker, admirer, attracting voices is my guest today on Damaged Goods. My good friend, a very accomplished singer and songwriter. The very fabulous, the ultimately talented and very incredible Cat Hamilton. Cat's that was really you're, nice. You're a super sport today because of my uh, my condition is I have an incredibly bad ear infection. This is pioneering. I'm podcasting with only half of my head. But Cat is, <laughs> is here and she's helping me. You're being a sport. You're the one who's working through the sickness. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm um, chilling. You are. You, well, your, your energy makes me feel very good right now. You're a very positive person always, so it keeps me upbeat. Publicly positive, privately. Uh, yes, the tears of a clown. Yes. Yeah. Welcome to I'm the club, girl. Just like Pagliacci. <laughs> like, me and Pagliacci are like the same. That much. tends to be kind of a, um, that's a common theme, right? A lot of artists, musicians, artists of all kinds, right? People. Totally. Yeah, and I mean, I in the recent years, I started just drastically wanting to be as honest and vulnerable as possible publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there are limits to that, too, but like... I've just started changing things around and now I'm like, yeah, I'm sad or yeah, like I didn't get out of bed last week or whatever. I just say what's going on. But I still, I guess, have that happy tone of voice as a person. So people like don't believe me. I've like repeated (laughs) a couple of times. Which is dangerous. Like, guys, seriously, I'm not doing okay. (laughs) I'm like, I'm not doing well. And they're like, ha ha, Kat, you're so funny. This girl. Yeah. She's crazy. <laughs> You're so wacky. You're so, you and your tricks, and I'm like, no, really. No, people I'm drowning. Are, it's that's the hard thing about it when you when you, and I make jokes about dark shit a lot, 
uh, it's my it's like my method of, of, of kind of coping with it and, totally. and, and laughing through the pain and shit. And some people understand that. And some people see it and they're like, well, it can't really be that bad if he's joking and laughing or, you know, she can't really be that sad if she's making songs and smiling in the camera. But sometimes you're doing all that just to like get your mind off of it, get, get pushed through it, you know, like, I don't know, just not have that evil, painful, mundane thought just dwelling over your brain all day. Totally. And the humor is important. Humor, Fucking like, so important. I mean, you're, you're all, you're infected and nose infected right now. <laughs> I, I am ear and nose infected. And I mean, if you don't make fun of that, then you just have to deal with the pain. Mm-hmm. And like, you don't get to make it into anything cool. It's just pain. Yeah. And I, I, my approach to a lot of things is like the Irish funeral approach, mm-hmm. which is like a f- listeners, if you've ever been to an Irish funeral, it's more celebratory than you think. There is a lot of pain, but a lot of people, they're processing it very fast because they're feeling it very hard. And then there's a lot of joy and drinking laughter. to their memories, laughter, telling stories. Yeah. It's kind of how I deal with everything. Same. Um, humor though is like what saves my fucking life during the you know during dark those times. Like slow times dark times anything Same. yeah it's just really like it's become the best thing ever because now being able to laugh about the the really crappy stuff means that like not only do i feel better but usually the people who i guess pay attention to whatever i'm doing yeah and see me doing that also laugh about their own crappy stuff yeah and if we build community through nihilism, which wow, is like well said, Kat. The only way to go. Well said. Wow. It's true Thank though, you. man. I know. I mean, just the same with like music, and like I know. I remember when I used to write music. I don't think I really wrote a lot of like funny, laughy shit. Even though I might be funny, laughy elsewhere, and like I don't know if any of your new music is funny, laughy, but mm-hmm. it, it's serious shit that people with the same way that humor can. People are like empathizing with what you're talking about in your songs, mm-hmm. and then they're 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 associating it with whatever they got going on in their own life, and they're building community with you there. And then also you can do it on the humor tip too, you know? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, fucking, it's necessary. It's necessary, and like I'll find little places in my songwriting to do it. Um, like on my record that I'm going to put out at some point soon, hopefully What's the name of this new it's called recovery songs. Um, and I just tracked it in January at, um, hallowed halls and hall of justice. One of those studios is in Portland. One of them is in Seattle. Um, so we made both... it very rainy for those vibes. Oh right? yeah. It was a ra- It's a rainy album. <laughs> it pours <laughs> instead of it slaps, it pours, you know, <laughs> Like, but, um, no, and I flew out my band for the album and we had a little, like, sad vacay of, like, it actually wasn't that rainy, but, um, (laughs) of making music was awesome, but there's a song on there called Hate Me, um, and there's a lyric that's like, um, uh, what is it called? Um, when I close my eyes, I'm haunted by visions of your face. Wish I could scratch them out. Jesus. And that, yeah, I know. It's like but, but to me, it's humor, right? Because I'm not actually going to go scratch my eyes out when I get home. But there's like a little bit of humor in everything yeah. that I write because, like, that's the only way to like make sense of like a lot of pain. Yeah. Is, you know, to have, oh man, like every time I close my eyes, like I'm haunted by your like horrible face that I hate. And then. <laughs> wish I could scratch my eyes out is my humor. Um, I, 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 I dig that. I like that kind of approach to shit. Yeah, because I want to write about the stuff that hurts, but like, I'm not going to change the lens I see that stuff through, which is always through, um, 
like the fact that up close something really painful seems like the biggest thing in the world and then when you zoom out it's like nothing you know yeah up close our problems seem like the biggest problems in the world and when you zoom out there's we're just like one of six billion humans yeah we're just all little, like little pebbles dude, yeah on all another like pebble. swinging through the universe wildly until it's over yeah <laughs> like the nihilism thing. Like, so you zoom in and you're like, oh my gosh, like I'm, you know, living with my parents and I have no income and no friends. And like the only friends I have are the ones I watch on TV. Um, and like, you know, you're like, wow, I'm so depressing. You zoom out and I'm like, yeah, but like we're literally all like hurling through this big universe yeah. boundlessly until we cease to exist and then who knows you know it's, it's true and I know when you're like when you're going through specific situations you know as like a breakup a death in the family just overall general depression coping with like substance problems whatever it is like it's very hard to not think uh, or look at the world from like that first person perspective like it's all you because you're entrenched in your own shit but like if you can get humbled by any experience or anything it's really helpful because it removes you from that lens and like lets you look at it like the way you're saying like we're all just one part of it and like I don't mean this in a bad way so when I say this please don't listeners don't take it the wrong way but like you're not special like yeah. I'm not special you're not special and I don't mean that like Which I guess we are sucks right yeah like, it when does. I think about that it sucks because your grandma told you you're special your whole life and your and math you're... teachers and shit but but it doesn't mean that you're not you don't have unique qualities it just means it in an attempt to all of us humble ourselves and recognize where it sounds cheesy, I know, like a bumper sticker, but like we're all in it together kind of thing, you know? But we are all like very insignificant compared to the mass amount of us that exist on at least this planet. And um, if you can kind of get out of your own head and make it stop making it all about yourself sometimes you can it, it kind of humbles you and it makes you feel more appreciative i think is what i'm trying to say totally and you like we're only the leading lady or leading man or leading them in our own story yes and that's something that's like really important to always remember and i think about my songs like that too like my songs are just like the story i'm writing where i'm the main character doesn't mean that it's the only story that's there yeah you know and yeah. it actually makes me feel better to think about that I'm not the be-all and end-all. But it took me a while to get to a place where that is comforting and not like... What helped you get there? Um, well... <laughs> well... Cat, <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. I love it. I love it. Kitty cat boobies. <laughs> At kitty cat boobies on Instagram. No longer on Twitter. I deleted that shit. Good for you. Um, but no. What I, Honestly, what helps me... Um, what helped me see it as a good thing to be, um, just a part of like the greater universe and not so much like cat's life is that like, I don't know. It made me feel like there was a bigger plan in motion that I was a part of. Mm. Um, I know that kind of has some parallels to religion, but it's not that like black and white for me. Um, and certain things that were happening in my life kind of just made me realize oh my god like something else at work that I am not the leading role in and that's great because when bad shit happens to me it's not my fault yeah dude. you know and that's... when good shit happens to me it's not because I like brought that in it's just it happened that's you know a good point um I remember like I had some really horrible shit going down and then my brother immediately had horrible shit going down like a week after mine started to 
I guess like, I guess, you know, like settle in. Like the shock of my own stuff was settling in that uh. my brother just gets like a fucking huge swing from the universe. And then I suddenly was in his support role. Like you he's found going that through the like big alle- thing. alleviating your own pain. Yeah. Like, and I was like, oh my God, like I've been the star of my own narrative, but then like now I'm the supporting, supporting actress in my brother's. Get that Oscar. Yeah, get that Oscar. Um, I'm the supporting actress in my brother's own pain and trauma. And that's my role, and it's super important because without me, he has to go through it alone, you know? And I'm not saying just me as Cat Hamilton, but without the supporting actors. Yeah. You know, there is no, you know, the protagonist, no one wants to watch a movie where the entire, like the whole movie is just the protagonist alone, not interacting with anyone. I think there's one, like one movie I've ever seen like that. I can think of, but yeah, I get what you're saying though. You know what I mean? You know what? Like, so I used to, I think when I was younger, I used to do a lot of the supporting role. Um, like, uh, like I burdened myself to a point even with, with helping like family and friends and shit. And, and, uh, and it, it definitely kept like my mind off of my own shit. Um, it, it's kind of like what I call like it, 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 the Jerry Springer effect. So like, you know, people watch Jerry Springer, granted it's probably all fucking fake, right? Mm-hmm. People come up there and like, you see this, like this guy slept with his best friend's wife and now they have three kids and this dude's a whatever, whatever. And people would like laugh and watch it. And, and I think some of the, um, some of the people that would watch it, you, you'd enjoy it and benefit in a weird way from it because you're not thinking about your own problems. Look how crazy fucked up these people are on the screen, right? Mm-hmm. It's not saying it's the same thing, but it's along no, that you're like, line, you And know? you're maybe comparing yourself a little bit, yeah, being like, definitely. yeah, look at these dodos, you yeah, know? Yeah, I mean, I think I used to do a lot of supporting role, but I was, not saying this is what you're doing, mm-hmm. but this just, you made me think of it. I think sometimes I was running away from looking at my own problems or dealing with them because like, I gotta help my aunt I gotta help my, yep. my cousin my brother yep. my girlfriend my whoever uh, avoiding saving myself and sometimes the hardest one to save is to you you, like, you yeah know, the hardest person to help is yourself so you try to go play that supporting role because to be sometimes to be the main lead actress or actor is, is too much for you, you know? absolutely and like I always like this kind of like I guess awakening I had around self over the past like couple of years I mean, it had a lot to do with me being in a similar role as you, like where I was just like supporting everyone else and ignoring me. Mm-hmm. As, but I really think it's more of you're the main character in your own movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not the supporting character in your own movie. Good point. But you are the supporting character in other people's. Um, you know? Good point. And like, or you're the the extra in some people's movies. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't even get a that's line. That's the way the universe works. You just walk through the convenience <laughs> store and grab chips and that's you yep. in the movie. Um, and <laughs> the hardest thing great. for me to accept is that I am the villain in someone's movie. You know? Ooh. That's the one that really gets me as like a codependent. Yeah. Who wants everyone to love her. Like, oof, my God. Let me get a high five right yeah. now. Because you know what? Ah. I used to really struggle with... Um, you know, not being liked or hated by people that I liked or loved, like especially when it's, a, it's an ex and when you break up yeah, with, an ex or you still love friend. him, you still have friends, feelings for him, but but you know that in their movies you're the bad guy, you're the bad girl, yeah. you're the bad person, and yeah, man, that's a t- that's a that's a tough one for me to always swallow. Yeah, it's something I have to tell myself all the time: is that like you're the villain in someone's movie, and it doesn't mean that that's a few who you actually are. You know, yeah, like the only person's opinion of you that really matters is your own in a mm. sense like it ha- your opinion of you has to come first but like 
that shit's real. Like in someone's movie, they're in a bar talking about how horrible you are or like how much you hurt them or yeah. what fucked up things you did. And then all their friends are sitting around holding beers going, yeah, fuck that person. Yeah, they're playing the supporting role to that person. So, yeah. You know, yeah, it's And then true. you're their villain. God, you're twisting your mustache oh, in someone else's movie. Tying someone down in the train yeah. tracks. <laughs> laughing maniacally, just uh, laughing the I, whole time. I, I do laugh maniacally. but <laughs> I do as well. <laughs> What's so like, when did... I've known you for a while. Yeah, we've known each other a long time. When did some of these, like, new things of self-awareness and just kind of understanding all this shit kind of come into your into your world? Um, well, I went to rehab. Oh, uh, okay. And so that's, I think, where it all began. The next chapter of my life of a, um, maybe just like a more developed, nuanced consciousness. Now, um, is this stuff that, like, they were talking about in rehab that made you think about it? Or was it just the clarity f- being away from substances that allowed your mind to kind of come to this naturally? I mean, it was everything. Because um, they also cut you off from tech, too. Well, I, you, honestly, I would go to rehab for that. Yeah. Like, no, I mean, I think I everyone should go to rehab. love that. That's why I talk about it all the time. It's because I'm like... Everybody should be in rehab. It's fine. I kind of dig. I used. To, I still believe everyone should have therapy. Yeah, have a therapist. At least have a therapist. Maybe go to rehab. That shit's lit. Ah, um. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the quote for the episode. Rehab's rehab. Lit. Dot dot dot. That shit's lit. <laughs> but you know, um, what I think it really did actually was, you know, I took a lot of amazing. Um, lessons out of that experience, but I also saw a lot of the ways in which my ideology and my like feelings in the universe con- conflicted or contradicted what I was being taught. And you so know, like ultimately did. it's about having your own brain. And I think that I came out of that experience and a lot of other experiences in that same time frame where I was desperate and searching for truth about who I was and where I was, where I fit into everything. You know, like religion and rehab and recovery communities and everything. And I was just like, I can take a little bit of everything and look at it and see, yeah, this is something that I believe. And then I can also use my own brain and my own judgment and go, eh, this is maybe not helpful for me. That's enough. And that's when, so it really just started a critical self-awareness journey. And so, and like, cause your new album, like I I assume the title derives from that recovery and being in rehab and stuff. Yeah, it does. But it it also is like about, it's like three things like it's about obviously like that journey um of recovery and the more like um defined like recovery community rehab sense but it's also about like recovery like um recovering the things you've lost you know the things that you've the things about yourself like you know uncovering recovering that and then it's also about like like once you've had I guess enough time on this planet and had some shit happen to you and done some shit and whatever you like every song becomes a recovery song, you know, like regardless of what I write, whether I title it recovery songs or like cats, like, you know, clown hippie parade. Uh, It's still a recovery album or a recovery song. The content's all the same. Yeah. Cause at some point the only recovery that was really helping me was the writing of the songs. And all the other stuff was sort of like I was hitting dead ends with my therapy and dead ends in like the other mental health stuff I was into where I took certain things away. But maybe it wasn't like fully um, like I was no longer growing inside of that. So but like writing the songs and recording them was still 
therapeutic enough for you to like explore that those issues in more depth than you just didn't hit a wall yeah I mean the the songwriting was the only thing that was this sort of like endless um, growth I'd say not like those things didn't help me they super freaking helped me but like (laughs) this is just super helpful but the the growth part of it I think started happening the most consistently through songwriting. So really the songs are the recovery. It's yeah. not like... You're putting it on paper, you're taking your heart out and putting it down. Yeah, and exploring things in myself through writing songs and in my relationships with people and life. And there's some God shit in there too. Um, that's fun. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, that's cool. You know, everyone, you know, you have so much mythos and mystery around you as a person. They really need to know that you blow your nose as well. Yeah, I know. Everybody blows their nose. Everyone shits and everyone blows their that's nose. That's going to be my new my child book. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I talk, we talk about God and spirituality a lot in here. And like, I, I had a big change in my spirituality and, I don't, even, I don't even use the word religion and shit, but like f- about five years ago. And, that, you know, I, I don't like broadcast it hard, but I, I love that conversation about that. And I have my, my feelings and beliefs, and it definitely helps me, you know? Totally. Um, and I, it's funny, people get scared by that word sometimes. That word, like, God, it freaks people out, you know, or the word religion. Like, people get real scared because they assume. I don't know. I guess they assume the worst of whatever yeah. derives from organized religion or stuff. But I don't think you and I are even talking about organized religion. We're talking more about spirituality. Spirituality. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of religion. But yeah, yeah I, you know what? I was a real dick about religion for a really long time. I, I could say that about myself as well. Um, and a real dick about God and about spirituality. Same Z's. Um, and I sort of turned my nose up at it. Yeah. It and was, then I, you know, people change. This is the uh, people grow like people you're saying. Grow. I'm gonna mass a jar, giant, yeah. large pile of fucking dead body tissues. Hey, I'm there. gonna put it in a Ziploc bag and sell it on eBay and make a lot of money. Shit, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Were you and I talking about something like selling personal? Maybe it was. I don't know. Maybe somebody else recently. I might have been having this conversation with somebody else. I think Allie and I have always talked about how you like from the moment we met you, you were just like kind of famous in a lot of ways. Like, <laughs> you had like a car tailing. You were something at one point oh. to, like, dinner. Oh, man. I don't know. I did a lot of th- wild things. I do think I drove down a one-way street in Boston <laughs> with you and Allie in the car. Oh, definitely. That was the opposite way of the one-way street, I should say. That- well, I just remember that night when we left the Middle East and there was the tilapia rant and there was a ton of weed. Uh. Like- <laughs> Yeah. And I'm in this hat. It was like a like a weird hat. And, <laughs> and you're writing about tilapia. I'm like, this person is unlike anyone I've ever met. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a huge fan of tilapia. No, <laughs> just no, no. Record. Someone asked me the other day, is known. tilapia even a real fish or is it like a fake fish? From what I understand, it's a real fish. It's just it's just grown in unsavory. Um, it's a bottom in, feeder, right? ways. Yeah, we don't even have to get into the gross specifics, but it's not a fake fish. But, I mean, I ate it last week. Yeah. It's not like crab. You know, like, the, what's the shit they put in oh, California? Oh, yeah. crab. So what that is, that's actually pollock, which is a fish. And they piece it together and dye it to make it look like crab. That shit freaks me the fuck out. That's really weird. Yeah, that's gross. That's weird that we eat that. It's weird that that became the normal thing in, okay, we're going to make the most commonly known sushi roll, the thing that lures people into liking sushi when they're young. We'll call it this California roll. It's going to have crab. But you know what? Instead of actually crab, we're going to get a fish and call it crab, like I don't understand the whole money probably science. Yeah, definitely. Money so, and seasons. Sushi restaurants are notoriously known for uh, faking 
what they have, and not just the 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 crab thing, but uh, all even high end sushi restaurants get arrested, arrested, get busted and exposed for this. Like uh, snapper, and a lot of uh, oh yeah, is not really snapper. There's a lot of fake fishes going down in, in uh I don't like in that. sushi. I don't either. I really wish I knew what I was eating. Yeah, call I me really, crazy. I really, I, that's I think that's why I cook so much. Yeah, it's because I get I'm a little I'm a little uh, conspiracy theory laced as a person. <laughs> Uh, it's nice to be in control of what you're, what you're putting in your body. Oh, so totally. when you're cooking, you can see it. You know and what like, is you know, going on there. People put shit in your food. They do this. They I've do. seen it firsthand as like a person who's worked in restaurants before. Same. You know? Same. If you think that's not true, you really need to get a job in a kitchen because that shit happens. Treat the people handling your food with the utmost respect. Once you've eaten the food, if you really want to have an issue with them and lose your shit, go ahead. But wait. You've yes. got the food on your table. Absolutely. It's true. Yeah, because I, I mean, don't yell at the person serving you your food Never. or the person who's doing your sound. Oh, yes. <laughs> like when I see people <laughs> make the sound out man their sound man, I'm oh, like, dude, oh, Make the sound no. man your best friend. Because I've literally been They'll back. They'll just like turn down your I've been back by sound booths and seen a, like a sound man looking at the stage like, yeah, oh, oh, yeah, you're okay, well, fine. Just drive the mic real loud, especially when they yell from stage. And mm-hmm. I've, we've been there. I've been frustrated with a sound man during the, sound, during the show. But you can't. They're going to make it worse for you. Yeah, you just got to be the nicest, frustrated person ever. God, that's a that's a that's like one of those jobs. Like, not a touring sound man, but a sound man who's like for the house for that venue. Mm-hmm. It's it's like not as bad as being like a dentist or a meter maid, but it's a job that's. It's not. You don't get a lot of thanks and praise. It's and it's unfortunate because a really great sound man. Makes the fucking or woman show. Or person sound is sound person. I yeah, think sound is the right person. word. Cat. It's twenty nineteen. Yeah, it's twenty nineteen. A great sound person. <laughs> I mean, it makes the show. Like last night, I was at a hotel cafe. It sounded fucking epic in there. It was the second stage, which is like a tiny room. I think it was the second stage, whichever one's the tinier room, and. It was lit. Like, the sound yeah. was so good. Yeah, dude, it's really, I mean, and the thing is, a lot of times people, if they do a good job, they don't get, like, the thank yous and stuff. They'll definitely get the, man, what the fuck was up with my sound, if it's bad. But I always really like to kiss the sound man. It's not kiss his ass, but it's super nice okay. during, like, load-in or something, right off rip. So that way, even if other people on the bill aren't spectacularly kind to this person, at least they, they you will stand out because you, you know what? They were really cool. I'm going to make sure they sound good because fuck you other guys. That's, you know. Well, yeah. And like, I always find myself asking the sound person what their name is mm. and their mind's like blown. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, they, they look at you like, oh, you, you know, you get treated like shit when like someone asks, your na- <laughs> asks for your name uh-huh. and you're like, really? It's, it's, it's treated with like respect. Like, I mean, even when you go to like a, a, a fucking grocery store and they're, they're bagging up your groceries and the person's like, how are you doing today? A lot of people will be like, good, thank you. But I'll say, good, thank you. How are you? And dude, like they, their face light up when you ask how they are because they're like, oh, someone actually cares about how I'm doing. It's just a, it's a real minor courtesy. It takes no time at all, but it can tremendously improve your experience there. And it's just a kind thing to do. You know, if you've ever worked in a service industry of any kind, like, I don't know, selling fucking phones, being a sound person, a waitress or whatever, it's, it, it's, I don't know, it's nice to be treated nice because the majority of the time, I don't think you are, you know, the doorman in yeah. a hotel. And you'll remember. Yeah, dude. Like yeah. I've worked places. I mean, all musicians have had weird, odd jobs and I've had probably, I would say like a hundred and something jobs at this point. What? How many lives do you live, Cat Hamilton? So many. hundred jobs. What, what are some because of the craziest I've done, ones? I've done it, like, I've done it all, kind of. I just sort of, you know, you need money, 
Yeah. And a lack of commitment is nice. Mm. Um, up until recently, that was something that like was my number one. Was commitment? Like, yeah, like not wanting to commit to a job. Dude, I hate committing to anything. <laughs> I have such commitment issues. I hate buying like vacations because that means I have to, I have, have to, to buy work. these tickets and this week I'm going to be gone and whatever I was going to do that week is gone. I have to commit to this vacation. I like your commitment voice. Uh, I have to buy these tickets. It's a stern, responsible commitment voice because commitment sounds like responsibility and like I hate, I don't, I like responsibility more than commitment. I feel, yes, I, I didn't cut you off about your commitment. Oh, you're fine. But I've had a million jobs um, at this point. It just feels like endless jobs. Um, mostly because I think most of my friends stayed at jobs. Um, they should have left. They wanted to leave. And, and I just quit all of my jobs every time. Um, it's liberating. I know. I mean, I'm like addicted to quitting this. So <laughs> I, just, like, I am now at, the, at a job I really like trying to, like, not, not quit. Um, Is this a rehab for the quitting? Yeah, there should be a rehab for people who quit their jobs. I should go there. Commitment um, phobia is real. But yeah, I am. Um, I mean, weirdest jobs. I've had so many weird ones. One time, my friend and I cater waited a cater waiter a fraternity like party. Jesus. Like a frat house party. Oh yeah. And it was just us and all frat guys, and it was really crazy and like. We just saw them do a lot of things that, like, they probably don't want to, like, show the world. you got to tell us at least one thing. I mean, it was crazy. Like, at one point, they were all, like, I guess it was part of the frat thing. They all, like, got up and stood on the tables in the dining hall that they were having the party in and, like, gave these, like, really weird speech roast things for the guy, like, next to them. But there was, like... I don't know, like 75 frat guys, like tons. So they're just like, like hours of roasts and the uh, roasts were not like PC. Uh, definitely like, not. Definitely not. And it was just crazy to see like these guys get on a table and they're like hammered and like doing a ton of Coke and like roasting their friends and, and like laughing without context. You know, watching a roast without context is really funny. <laughs> and I don't know the person. It's hilarious. It's more funny because like, they're like, oh, yeah, Billy always blah blahs. And you're like, yeah, Billy always does that. And you're just laughing because you have no idea. Um, I also. I thought they were going to do worse. My, what I assume frat boys do is like hold each other's penises and force them to drink like, too much alcohol. I saw some pants drop. Yeah. Um, I didn't see any dick that night, though, which is wild if you think about it. Um, yeah. I was like, that's very reserved. <laughs> um, and then I also worked in uh, the sales of erotic goods for a hot minute. What was the name of the uh, the play? Uh, the I don't know if I'm allowed to. Yeah, say. maybe you're not. Because I, I was know. fired, so I don't. I remember know. this. I think we I was really fired, like super fired. Can we say why you were fired? They didn't tell me. Oh, that's. Um, Damn. You need to get a lawyer on the phone. It was. I mean, it didn't matter. I yeah, only I'm, been there for like a month. You know, I'm not good. Uh, but <laughs> so it was like right after my birthday, and I just remember that the Friday. Of my birthday weekend, they gave me a cupcake and, like, sang me happy birthday at oh. my erotic sales position. And then the Monday after that weekend, I come back from, like, my birthday and weekend fired. and I'm fired. Oh. Um, and they, like, s took me down to, like, their, like, I guess, employee basement Oh, area. God, in a basement? That's savage. And they sat me down and they're like, so we're going to have to let you go. And I was like, what? You just give me a cupcake. Yeah. And they're like. Let's smooth it over with the yeah. cupcake. She won't even know you we're going to fire her. Up. And then they were like, they were like, yeah, sorry. And when I asked, all they said was that, you know, that I wasn't the right energy for that the company. Fishy. 
And I was like, you really are not going to tell me why I'm being fired. And Isn't it like, know. legally don't they have to? It was within know. the amount of days they don't have uh, to. Most places have like a... Yeah, like corporate something like where they can just fire you without explaining themselves within a given amount of time. Son of a bitch. So um, it was not fun. And I got walked out like I was like a criminal. Oh, they don't want they, you like, crazy in there. Walk- like, He's the guy who's going to throw like a tantrum. Did they take your shoelaces and belt too? Jesus. They thought I was going to like, I don't know, like knock over a wall yeah. of dildos. Not going like, to go crazy yeah. in there. <laughs> like start like, I don't know. You should have Jerry Maguire like, Open all the lube and dump it on the ground. Who's like? coming with me? You start <laughs> your own ground goods store. It was so uncomfortable. But yeah, I've had a lot of weird jobs. I worked at a year-round costume boutique in Boston. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so I had to like... Is that the place with all the cool fake sunglasses? Yes. I love that place. I worked there. I bought disguises from there, wigs mm-hmm. and shit. Mm-hmm. Fake beards. So I sold wigs to drag queens for a while. Yeah. And you know, you always tell them I love that. St- I hope that star is still open. I, I like don't know. That. Dorothy's? I don't know if they're still open. Shout out to Dorothy's. Shout out to Dorothy's. Mass uh, half. Yeah, I worked there. Where else have I worked? I've worked so many weird yeah, jobs. Yeah, you definitely, like right well, there. Well, because I've like definitely just said yes and learned what I was doing later for a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like... <laughs> Sometimes that's what you gotta do. That's what you gotta do. I've done that. I've totally done that. (laughs) And I mean, I worked at a kennel doing like with dogs. Like the dog kennel. Fluffing dogs. Uh, fluffing petting, dogs. Petting them. Petting them. Cuddling them. Aww. It's actually not as fun as you think it would be. No, it sounds sad. It's dog prison. It's right? like dog prison and all the dogs like try to kill each other. Basically. Yeah, they have shanks and shit. Yeah, they file down like, the toothbrushes. Yeah, they've made they filed down all their dog brushes and went. Um and then Fights I mean, in the chow hall. When I was in New York, I did some weird things for money. Oh god. Like some things that aren't I don't know if they're like Okay, I have well, no idea. You as know long I mean? as you could sleep at night, I sleep right. at night fine. But I know that there's like <laughs> I did stuff for money. Where I'm like, meh. you know, dude, I'm, I'm right there with you, kid. Yeah, I've done, I've done yeah. some foul shit. Just some meh. Um, <laughs> and I mean, I've also had some super legit jobs, which is always funny to think about. Like I worked as a, a like a cafe manager in New York. Sounds real. Crazy. And had like. Cush benefits oh, and like that's like, know, like the craziest fancy. one of all. <laughs> I know, and I did that for like a year. But then also while I was in New York, I worked at a haunt, scaring people. You mentioned this to me. Yeah, and so yeah. I would like. <laughs> <laughs> I, if no, can you tell people what a haunt is if they don't? Yeah, know haunt it? is a haunted house. It's like short for haunted house. It's but cool a haunt, slang. they call it a haunt because not every haunted house is in a house. There's where, like where was this one? This was in a loft, in um, like. The West Village, or like like further down a little bit, oh, okay. but like kind of um, on like Varick Street. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like Fifth Avenue. Yep, yep. Okay, so a haunt is like the short. It's like the um, what is it called? The, the word abbreviation. Abbreviation for that people in the industry use. In the oh, it's industry. industry jargon. Yeah, it's industry jargon because not every haunt is in a house. So calling it a haunted house is like a misnomer. This is the haunted uber cool loft. Yeah. So it's a haunted loft. loft. But also I have friends who worked in like haunted hayrides, haunted farms, haunted real, real dungeons. Real, real seasoned veterans. Yeah. Haunted undergrounds, ha- whatever. And you just call it a haunt. <laughs> and then everyone who does it knows. Basically what happens is, is you get there like two hours before the haunt opens they put you in a costume of some kind, tons of makeup, blood everywhere. Mm. You get assigned to a room. So when you look at your schedule, 
You have like your hours, your name, and then your role in a room. Different every time? Um, sometimes different every time, sometimes the same. It depends. Like certain people become like fixtures at the haunt. And so they're going to only be in their room. Oh, veteran status. That person is yeah. known as the ghoul in room five. Exactly. Ghoul in room five. And like, he's always the ghoul in room Love five. Ghoul in room five. Exactly. Because everyone loves ghoul in room five. Yeah. And like, I was, some seasons I was a floater. Some seasons I was, I had like a room that was mine. Yeah. But you always have to check your schedule because sometimes they'll just be like, yeah, I know you're always like this thing, but like tonight you're Chainsaw Man. Oh, you man. You know? That sounds like a big responsibility. It's a big responsibility. I was Chainsaw Man one night. It's a big responsibility. So basically, they dress <laughs> you up and you get put on a ton of makeup and, um, and then you get thrown on the floor. Right what do you mean thrown on the floor? Not thrown. Sorry. Oh, oh okay. You, they just kind of go, oh, you're in makeup. All right, go. Yeah. Oh, oh, like, you, okay, and you go, go to the find floor. your room. I, you <laughs> I thought they yeah. threw you on the floor. No, they don't throw. Sorry. Um, I got yeah, concerned for your safety. I was, none of the haunts I've worked have ever physically <laughs> hurt me. Um, <laughs> although some of the customers have. But, uh, but so you get, you know, they just tell you what room you're in. You go find your room. You stand there. You wait for the haunt to start. And then people start coming in, and you have a signal that tells you oh. when you have a customer coming. Like, when you have... Someone's going to come in, and you have to scare them. That's the... Alone, or are they in groups? Oh, uh, sometimes a room, you're in groups. Sometimes you're alone. No, I mean the customers. Oh, sometimes they're alone, sometimes in groups. Great. Well, the guys that go alone, you guys are fucking nuts. Yeah, and then you scare people for, like, eight or nine hours. That's and you get, like, ten-minute breaks in between. Like, Dude, what is this? Sweatshop? Are you working for Nike? Yeah, Sweatshop it's seriously conditions. intense. I mean, you get, like, a, like, one dinner break that's, like, 20 minutes, but, like, it's really, like... You're seasonal, you're independent contractor, like... Enough quinoa, Hamilton, back on the floor and scare them. Like that? But I also loved my whole, like, crew. Like, you signed up knowing that you're going to be, like, that it's crazy. That sounds... I mean, what if the customers must bug out sometimes? And you get hurt sometimes. That's what I'm saying. They don't freak out? I got kicked, punched. Jesus. Grabbed, scratched. Bruised. <laughs> like, they, people will get... That, yeah, you, that get, means you were good at your job. Yeah, they get sucked into the reality of the haunt. Jesus. And to be yeah. honest, like, after a few hours of working it, you do too, you know? Do you, you ever, start like, to really you, like, leave there with, thing. like, bruises and mm-hmm. shit? Jesus. Mm-hmm. And covered in blood and... God damn. Do you and, ride the train like that? Like, yeah. You're just covered in fake <laughs> blood. I was just sitting on a train <laughs> covered in fake blood at, like, four in the morning... Halloween week with people looking at me funny and I'd just be like you know normal work attire but it was really fun and I mean it's you form bonds with people in that experience like so intensely because you're it's, like a, it's a unique experience that only you and, of the yeah, you and a yeah. few other people. I was liking like music to that, you know, like military pride for some people. Any, yeah. any Anything career, job, or passion you're doing where very few people get to experience what you and these other people are experiencing, you're going to bond quicker than the person that's the friend from down the street or the kid you went to school with your whole life, you know? Like you're in a band with someone, even if you're only in a band with that person for two years, it's oh, going to yeah. feel like you've known them for 20. Yeah, bands are just like, The Hunt was a lot like that, like that band feeling and also like you make friends because you'll work rooms together Um, I remember one night I got switched last minute to another room and I had to be a scary clown Um, so they put me in like this giant clown dress (laughs) god I wish I saw like it's really wide um, 
Like it has these um, like boning that makes it really yeah, white. Yeah, yeah. And then like spray painted me all white with like maniacal looking, you know, effed up makeup and like. You could say fucked up. It's cool. Fucked up makeup and like big pigtails. Oh man. And they were like, all right, you're just gonna be riding the tricycle and oh. here's your mallet and you're gonna be chasing people from this room into the maze with the mallet. That's the like, tricycle is the scariest part of all. Oh, yeah. It's terrifying. It's scariest well, form of transportation. Well, they know I'm actually afraid of clowns, so I, it was very ironic. But yeah. Did you face your fears? Well, in that moment, I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't thinking about it as a clown. I'm just thinking about it from the lens of myself. But I worked a room, the room with someone else, and he, his job was to pop, pop out of, like, a wind-up toy box. So I'm riding around on my little scooter with my mallet, maniacally laughing and chasing people into the next room, and I'm covered in blood, you know. <laughs> I'm, like, swinging my mallet around, and then he, like, has to, every time he sees the signal, he has to wind up his oh, and box and the then pop out and go, ah, you oh, know? That's exhausting. And he would scare me every freaking time. Oh, he's scaring you. Yeah, uh, because... I mean, I'm scared of clowns, so I wouldn't even think of myself as scary because I'm just in my body. But I'd, every time he'd pop out, I go, "Oh my god!" Like, yeah, it was crazy. And then I'd scare people because I was scared. Yeah, you know, scared people scare people. It was a crazy night to be a clown. So like, fuck, man, that's a wild job. That sounds like yeah. almost the craziest of all of those. I think so. I mean. I've done a lot of other, like, weird side jobs. Like, had friends text me last minute and then just shown up somewhere and yeah. done a job. Oh, it, like, when you're there doing, you know, I've been in those positions where you're doing jobs that you're not really emotionally invested in. It's because it's money and it's non-committal, right, mm -hmm. like we're talking about. It, for me, when I was in those positions, I don't know if it was the same for you. When there's, like, little parts of downtime or it's real mundane, are you just thinking about... Music, writing, yeah, recording. So yeah, you're just there, like fucking looking at the watch, like all right, all right, fucking a couple more hours. Like write, maybe on my break, you can write a little bit, or you're just thinking about getting out, going to the studio, going to your show. Totally, and like, although I feel like, I guess where I'm at now, I think about it a little less, just because you're not doing the weirdo, crazy jobs like that as much. No. Yeah, and because like I learned really hard lessons about like making music the all important thing in your life. Like, oh, well, what's this lesson about it for those I mean, who don't know? For those who don't know, I think it's just I learned a lot about like, you know, how like people will come out of a marriage that, you know, they get divorced. And they've been in it for like 20 years. And then they're like, I have nothing. Yeah, they you know, don't know like, themselves. No friends. They don't know themselves. They don't. I like kind of felt like I came out of that with music in a lot of ways. And I. So big thing to say I mean like I just kind of got to this place where I like really didn't know myself at all out of the outside of the lens of being a musician that was like all I was it was this before you went to rehab or? yeah it was or it was like concurrently um but I had to like face that I was like wow I don't know who I am as a human being I only know myself as a musician I only know myself as the career. So to give I, yourself identity and value and stuff, it was only that as a, a Cat Hamilton, a musician. Yeah, totally. And so now I see it a little differently. I just got to, I'm always like really wary to make my career my almighty. It's all your eggs in that one basket. Because like, you don't know, like you could, it could go away. You know, you see it yeah. with like football players all the time. They're like, 
Yeah. Football's their life. Their coaches are breathing down their neck being like, if you don't give this your all, then you're not going to make it. Like, yep. if you don't want believe in this 100%, you don't want it. Then. You got to give it up for, give everything up for this. Yeah. And then they fucking, like, yeah, you get, get an injury, never play football again, and they gave up all of everything. their identity and every other thing that kept That's them grounded to be a football player. And I feel like I kind of got, like, an emotional, psychological injury that got me out of the music game for a while, and I didn't really know if I was going to come back to it for some time. Yeah. Um, and I was sitting there. I'm like, I have nothing. I am nothing. And that... Yeah, your value, friends, your self-value. <laughs> yeah. I had no value because uh, I put it all in one thing. And you could that thing could be music or a marriage or your friendships. No, the football analogy was a good one, you know? And I think, like, when you're an artist and you're in music, just like the football analogy, to make it, you're told this by everybody. Mm-hmm. Others that have succeeded said this is what they did. Uh, you're you kind of telling yourself this. Oh, You've got to sacrifice things, right? Like, I remember breaking up with girlfriends because I was going to go on a small little tour Same. for, like, ten dates, or I had to record an album. I wanted to have nothing else. I didn't have any kids. Nothing else Except this is my priority, so I could drop everything if a music opportunity came up. It's exactly. sorry, I gotta it's do the same this. Thing. And uh, it's it is. It's like you're pouring, you're pouring like water in a glass. But God forbid something goes down, the line goes wrong. It's like you're pouring water in a glass with a hole in the bottom of it, and yep. now there's nothing there. And dude, like I I really want to say thank you first for sharing that because that hit me home hit home for me because that's not something that happened to me and it's happened to a lot of people I've talked about uh, this with on this podcast but it's something that like artists know uh, we all know like I always knew this in my head but it was hard for me to even talk to another artist about it because it was something so scary even though you knew it in your head and when you get to talk to somebody else who who knows exactly what this is it's like a relief of sorts you know but it's it is intense because you do want to put all your eggs in that basket you want to succeed you want to work hard and you love it it sucks you in anyway and there's like this whole narrative that like if you don't fucking put everything into something it won't work it won't happen yeah and I actually think that if you don't put if you put everything into something at the expense of your own personhood and you get burnout or you mm-hmm. get jaded or you lose your mind and end up in a treatment center then it won't happen then either. it really won't happen and then, you know what I mean yo, you're like you cat. gotta right, let's go get a little <laughs> no I'm dead fucking serious because that's so important when you said personhood we sacrifice artists are sacrificing all these other qualities of your life like I'm not talking about the relationships and other hobbies but like your mental sanity your clarity your physical health your physical health and then if all that shit falls apart the foundation of the house is everything it doesn't matter how good the windows and the shingles are you know like damn you're not going to be able to be Beyonce if you are no longer alive. Yeah. <laughs> and I think what something people understand is like for every like Beyonce, every artist that does sacrifice everything, puts it all in there, there's a lot that do and that they don't make it that far. You yeah. Know? I'm guessing that Beyonce takes pretty damn good care of herself. Yeah. Because that's the only way you can maintain, maintain something like that. Like, I get it. We all want to sacrifice shit because we think that's the way, but like... Yeah. Honestly, I don't really think it is. I think it's more of finding a way to, like, constantly, like, nourish who you are and still be just as passionate and committed to your art, but, like, not at the expense of, like, that nourishment, you know? Yo, it's so... I'm really glad you said that. I really hope people listen to this and, and, and share this kind of information because... 
when you just identify yourself only as you know a singer songwriter guitar player fucking rapper football player uh dancer whatever but only that thing it's like you're shortchanging yourself about other qualities in your character you don't even know exist you're you're totally, totally blind to yeah. them you know like so for me i've talked about this on here before when music would happen with me was you know it, when my career was doing its best and i was excelling i was also meeting a lot of these um, challenges in the industry where I was having to be around people I really didn't like, having to do things I really didn't like. I was told that it would bring me more success. You yep. waited to this point, you got to keep doing this, make this kind of record, shake hands with these people, go to these parties. I ended up doing things that, in retrospect, I didn't like. Making music I didn't like, making decisions I didn't like because I had so many people in my ear and We're I like, believed it's them. this or nothing. Yeah, and, and I was going so hard and I, f I hit this wall where it was it ruined my passion for music. The industry did, and I dead stopped just out of nowhere. I didn't fizzle. I didn't slowly come to a realization like, oh, you know, I, 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 I chose to stop and walk away. And uh, I didn't know what I was going to do. Like, I knew I'm a creative artist more than a musician. I could create in other ways. But, you know, I eventually started podcasting, hosting radio shows and writing a book and surfing and tapping into other things, you know. But there was a long period of time after that where... I didn't know who I was because I wasn't doing what I've been doing for eight years straight every yep. fucking day. Yep. And I lost value of myself. My, my self-worth went down. My self-esteem dropped off immediately. I started drinking way more than I ever had in my life because I had to shut up the voice. I didn't know what to do, how to fill the time. And I hadn't figured out how to like take my creative soul and do other things with it. Like, listen, before I ever did music, I was a painter. I drew. I did all these. I can do other things, but I couldn't get to that point because I didn't know who I was. I forgot who I was. Yeah, that shit gets me in the feels, man. Sorry, I just went no, on a rant, does. but you just uh, no, I inspired mean, like, you, me, dude. That's, that's the same thing I went through. I also did a dead stop and just sort of, like, dropped it all. Um, because, I mean, I just I just did. It just, it was an inevitable. Uh, an, 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 un, uh, it was an inevitable dead stop. Yeah, um, it's fucking You know, scary. because it's, you got to be more than just... That one thing. And not yeah. everything's like that. Like, you don't see people, like... Like, there are other careers yeah. where no one's like, <laughs> if, you know, I need to give my entire life to fucking selling insurance. Yeah. Like, if I don't... If I, like, date someone, that'll just distract from me selling insurance. Yeah. So I'm going to break up with them. Or I can't have a real apartment because I need to be ready to, at any moment, sell insurance. Like, yeah. there are jobs out there that people... Tons of career paths. Tons of career paths that don't have this, like, yeah. innate pressure to give it all up. Exactly. I mean, the, 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 one the thing. physical therapist who works on that injured football player, who he or she's fucking probably not going through this. And, I mean, all kinds of things. Maybe the record executive who's dealing with these artists, he's not yeah. or she's not dealing with this. It's true. And, and when it is a person, a businessman, who's got the big, successful CEO guy, who is so cold that he's neglected his wife and kids, and he's made all this money, and his wife leaves him, and he's estranged from his family. He is, he's got this big castle on top of the hill with all this money and there's no one there and yep. he's fucking empty and then what if that castle suddenly goes away then you, exactly. then you aren't anyone and even if it isn't he's still empty and alone and totally there, you know? and I think that's the point it's like um, like okay it, so since I moved to LA I've done this thing where you know like when you introduce yourself to someone or they introduce themselves to you they immediately ask you about your music yeah. or you ask them you know yeah. like people are so used to yeah. offering up whatever their career hustle is like right off the bat yeah 
they're like, and I'm an artist. Yeah, this yeah, is my yeah. Instagram, like showing right? Showing your resume to a person. Yeah, it's like you're literally just like walking around with your business card in your mouth, <laughs> and, <laughs> which is fine. I get it. But um, I've started asking people. I'm like, oh, like what do you do? And you know, they're like, start telling me about their. I'm a hip hop artist. Yeah. Whatever. And this is my mixtape. And then. <laughs> so there's always a mixtape. There's always a mixtape. And then I turn and I'm like, I'm like, cool. What do you do when you're not doing music? And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, what do you do when you're not doing music? Yeah. And they're like, well, I mean, I do more music. I'm like, well, no, but like, do you have hobbies? <laughs> you gotta have Interests? Something. And they're like, well, I mean, not really. And I'm like, oh. Okay. Like, and I find, I don't know, do, do you find like the hobbies and interests you have that aren't music, do they help enrich your yes. musical path? So, I have you. hobbies and interests. It's awesome. You should get some, everyone. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, it boggles me. Like, so I surf, right? Uh, I'm an intermediary surfer. I'm not very good. I'm not very bad. I'm pretty damn good. I'm, but I, there's no way I'm trying to go pro. I'm not trying to be sponsored. Yeah. I don't have any expectations other than going out there having fun I mean yeah you always want to progress and do well but I don't put any value on that as, as the way I have you know broadcasting or whatever else I'm doing so I go it's it's just fun and it puts me in such a good mood if, if say broadcasting or work has not been good that day or whatever this helps or if it has been good then yep. this just double helps you know it's not associated with any hardcore goals and get some of those fucking things man yeah. get some of these hobbies and I, I made this boundary around my painting because I paint um, where I was like you are not going to make this a career this is not hustle it is not for profit and it's for you. It is for me. It is just for me to do something. And it's, those are the best. Whether it's seen or not seen. Um, which, of course, equaled me having, like, tons of grotesque self-portraits around my house. <laughs> <laughs> They're so grotesque. There's, like, an eyeball falling out. Oh, like, God. half my hair's gone. And there's, like, a demon hand. <laughs> Could you do one of me? <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll contract um, you. Well, normally when I do one for someone else, I always give it as a gift. There's, like, I will never, ever charge money. But, um... I'll, like, do a, a nice abstract for the living room, something that, yeah. like, they can show people. And then in my room, you walk in, and there's, like, me Easels on fire, and, and, like, my eyes are melting. <laughs> like, hey, cat, great art. Freaks like, him out. Oh, hey. Like, but, I mean, I bet, like, when you started doing music, or when anyone starts doing their artistic passion, initially it is just for you before it becomes a career. Yeah. So like when you're doing these other hobbies, people, you're going to get reminded of why you did music or did football, whatever in the fucking first place, doing it for you initially. And then that feeling is awesome. Exactly. And like, I just, hobbies and things that aren't my freaking like live or die yeah. by this sword kind of thing, keep me healthy and sane. Mm um, which is a big deal because if I'm not healthy and sane, I ain't going to have a career. Yeah. Like I'll be too busy having like nervous breakdowns and you know, good old nervous breakdown. yeah, that good old like fashion nervous breakdown. I won't be going like, <laughs> you know, and playing shows or going on Instagram and like posting like sexy pictures of myself. Yeah. Like it's, I'll just be like, you know, true. miserable. So yeah. I like having hobbies. I highly recommend it. And like, I think that's a part of the reason why I started asking people about them. Um, one, because I'm oh, really like tired of hearing people, about people's mixtape, but yeah. also because, like, I was like, 
I'm like poking at a raw nerve a little. Yeah. I'm like and people, it's funny because people always ask you what you do, but they when they ask you what you do, it's code for what is your primary source of income or the, the thing that takes up the most of your time. Yeah. Right. So you could be some guy who's a bricklayer building fucking houses, or somebody who's working in the studio as a sound engineer, whatever. But. There's, there should be more to you that whether it's it is your passion that you do all day or you just have like some shitty fifty hour a week job that you don't really like but it pays for your kids' school and shit like that. There should be more to you. Yeah. Right. So like, I don't like that question being asked that question, but I would do what you say. Like, pro- like finding out other things. Like, what do you like to do in your free time? What makes you happy? What's your favorite place to go eat? What do you like to cook? Exactly. Like, what do you read. You know. I ask people. What, yeah. It's and it's bonkers that people usually don't have a response. I would say like ninety yeah. percent I, of the time I ask. Most of the places where I notice this to happen is L.A., New York, New York. or a city where there's industry, whether that's yeah. film, TV, music, things like that, entertainment. Totally. And so I'm like, I mean, it's, it's a revolution in my opinion to start asking people more about who they are. Unless yeah. They're, and when they don't have an soul. answer, that means they haven't thought about it. You know, yeah. they, have, they, they forgot. Someone, I asked someone about it last night and she, I think she like kind of surprised herself. She acted really surprised by her own answer. She's like, well, she she's said like, it out loud. well, I love to run. Good, fucking awesome. I'm like, dope. Go get that runner's high. Yeah, go get it. You know? Like, good for you. That yeah. shit really bothers my knees. Yeah, like, I hate doing say, it. You won't see me you joining know? you. I've got skater's knees. So yeah. I, I, but, but it's just so fucking cool to... To tr- have something. To have something. Do you think some people are scared to share what the things are because it's not going to sound as cool as I'm a guitar yeah. player. I'm a, like, yeah, dude, like, fucking finds this. I like co- cooking is like a hobby. I love cooking. It's so soothing, right? It's so soothing. I love it. I love the sound of butter melting. Mm, dude, I love it. I love the like, taste that's, of it. That's the freaking best sound, right? <laughs> yeah. It helps me. I don't know if you have as bad ADD as I do, but it really helps me focus. Same. You can't fuck up in the kitchen or the shit's ruined. And, like, I love... I. Uh, like on my Sundays, usually I make a big pot of something. Oh yes, I've heard about the legendary tortilla soup. I make really good tortilla soup. Um, it's really really good. I can't wait to try it. It's so good. But I started doing that because I think I grew up in a household where my mom always had food like in the fridge, and my friends would just come over and eat her fridge. You know, if Fun they had time. a bad home, they just hang out there. Sounds good. And so now, as an adult, I've kind of started like making like a pot of food. So that if I have someone come over Aww. unannounced, I can just like heat them up it's nice. really quick. It's pretty cool. Like it's for me to eat all through the week, but it's also like I make a big pot knowing that maybe like, yeah, you know, maybe someone's going to come over and I'm going to like give them a warm meal. That's pretty sweet of you. Yeah, That's no, it feels of, good. It's good sharing. I like that too. I like being able to, when I have people come by, like, you know, have something for them or whatever. And just in the same way, I like to receive it when you go somewhere. It's like, oh, I yeah. think that's something that it's, it's like slightly forgotten in these times. It is bit. slightly forgotten. And I mean, like when you're an artist, you're like so busy and you're like probably just like, you know, I don't know what we're eating anymore. Like, yeah. you know, artists, like, we're like, we're like, I'm miserable. I like <laughs> eat sticks in my car on the way to the gig, you know? Handful of trail mix. Yeah, I like shoot, I just gnaw on a bone and then like play a show. Um, like people so, 
they like do that whole hustle thing and then just completely forget about like, wow, I should be eating like yeah. real food. And sleeping. And people sleeping. Sleep. People are like, oh, sleep when I'm oh, dead. Oh, I freaking love sleep. It's, when people tell it, me they don't sleep, I'm like, so okay. Dumb. Everything you do, like you'll proud. do better. Yeah, you'll do better if you're resting. Yeah. And the older you get, true, like you're still a little younger, but that start, just starts to be real. Like you can't pull those short hours of sleep and still get away with doing your shit at the same level. It starts to get affected and you need to get in a better sleep Sure, habit. Gramps. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some Metamucil under the kitchen sink. Right. It's like, would you like some Pepto-Bismol? Like, serve it in a nice, like, champagne glass? Oh, God. I know. I do feel like Gramps. I know. The sleep thing just started yeah, no. me recently. I mean, I freaking love sleep. <laughs> I only got a problem with my ear. I am like Gramps over here. I, like... So, well, sometimes when I stay up creating, if it's natural, cool. If I'm sitting there and I'm, like, practicing and then I'm just, like, staying up to stay up because, like... I need to create because that's like the forcing way my it. time will be like forcing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I end up like making my worst shit. Yeah. Like a hot garbage. Unnatural artistic yeah. expression. Any unnatural artistic expression is usually garbage fire. I agree. Yeah, always garbage. for me, that always happens the same way. It's when it, when, it, when you jump out of bed because you got a great idea and you're going to write it. That's, that's different. That's the juice. Then yeah. you get your ass up. You're, you're at work. Yeah. You say, oh, I'm sorry. Can I go to the bathroom for a break? Quote, unquote. No, you go and do what that. Make that email, that phone call, that write Sing it, it down. Sing it to your voice memos. Yeah, yeah, dude. I used to <laughs> sing melodies. Just hum the melody. If you only got the melody and you're driving, you don't want to endanger the fellow drivers. But smartphones have that fabulous talk, text, like fucking recording yeah. thingy. Boom, just hum the melody in there. Yeah, exactly. So it's like when it's natural, it's awesome. When it's not natural, I'm like, why am I even making my, putting myself through this thing the art is ultimately either going to be, you know, heard by a ton of people, yeah. a few people, or just me. Um, and, like, my co-writer and I, God bless him, House Music. He'll follow House Music if go you follow, can. H-A-U-S. House. Uh, House. Yeah. Uh, Mitchell Hauser is his name. Very German. Um, Hauser, yes. And he's the best. He's the goodest boy. But He is the goodest. Oh, my God. He's so good. But the coolest thing ever is that, so we... Right every Tuesday, him and I write songs. And we have no structure around our sessions in terms of what they're for. Um, like, we both have our own projects. I have Cat Hamilton. He has um, his house music. He releases his own albums, but he also does stuff with other artists. And we just don't put any label on our projects. We don't have any release ideas going in. We go in, it's like... Let's write a song. What have you been listening to? We literally have the like like the least structured sessions ever. And it's brilliant because I feel like what we're making is so cool and unique because we're not trying to make it something. Yeah. And if it's good, you use it. Yeah. If it's good, like I've tagged a couple things for maybe next records and and I know he has too, but there's like twenty songs that are just they just exist. Yeah. Then we don't know what we'll do with. The freedom but. of that, I think, is is uh, very important, you know? Yeah, the artistic freedom. And also, I just, I find that my ideas click really well when there's no pressure. Yeah, that too. Um, and I feel like I'm making something cool or not, but, like, there's no pressure either yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You let, just make it, and then what it is is, is what it is, and you can just determine whether you use it or not. And we're not confined by genre. Yeah. Um, you know, which can always be a thing, like, as artists navigating the new world like you're trying to like like sell yourself 
yeah. like sort of be like, I am this, and yeah. this is what I sound like for fans of blah blah. Jumping into a box. Jumping yeah. into a box because you think maybe the box would get off the shelf quicker. Yeah, and that's true. And, and that's you're told like, that too yeah, by other people that. in the industry too. You've got to pick something. You got to narrow in. You got to. Yeah. Yeah, people tell even me like when you submit your music for distribution you yeah know, pick through, a genre yeah you pick a genre I mean, even with a podcast I have to pick a genre I pick yeah. arts because all my guests are artists but if I said just music I'd probably have more listens but it's not just music I got photographers and dancers and totally. cooks on so you know I keep it broad because that's what's true to me but it, you know there everyone wants to in any field they're always trying to compartmentalize you because it makes it easier for people to process yeah you know the, the consumer it's for the consumer it's all consumer it's less based. it feels like less chaotic to have like you be one thing yeah and yeah. I try my hardest not to put that on my writing just to do whatever the song wants yeah. so even with this record that I'm going to be releasing um and like my producer Ali is amazing. You're really yes, Ali. Shout out to Ali Feeder. Um, we also have a podcast we're launching called Ali Cat and Steve. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, um, yeah. that's when, in the works. When does that come out? Uh, I'm not sure, but we're we're heading towards the finish line of getting the episodes ready for. Rips. And is that like um, is that a kind of like more passion like we're talking about, or is that more like the music? Is this more of like the hobby thing that you can enjoy and have I good things come out? I think it is in between. Like we have like. We didn't put any like pressure on it, but I think that we both like were like we want to do this, and want to commit to doing this. Yeah. But also not have it be like this crazy hustle. Just that sounds fun. Somewhere between, and it's a music podcast. Yeah. Um, basically, just interviewing artists and companies that are creating tools for artists about like how to navigate like 2019, 2020 yeah. artistry. I think that's pretty cool. Um, and it's like somewhat comedy. You know, there's some comedic you moments. You guys are some and, silly gals. Yeah, we're dude. silly gals. And, you know, we're, we pick at each other, push shows, but oh, sure, uh, sure we're, we're, we're gals. That's dope, though. Um, but, yeah, she also produced my record. And I think that the coolest thing about working with her specifically is that she was totally on the wavelength of not being super genre about, like, what should happen. Yeah. Like I wrote the songs and then I was like, I made demos in GarageBand and like when I lived with my parents and sent them over to her and I were like, I was like, these are the references. There's like a 40 song reference playlist of things that I thought it could go in the direction of. That's pretty cool. And then we kind of worked to find, like there were a couple songs that were incredibly hard for us to do because it could be so many different things. Yeah. You know? keeping the doors open that's dope that you're working with her on the album and then you guys get the podcast together and yeah and keep it in house we're keeping it in house that's how you gotta do it actually yeah, I know fucking this dope guest you guys should get on your podcast though um what's her name what's her name Jake the Snake